Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Kind of a statement to get get us thinking uh, to start with. A life lived for the Lord is really the only life worth living. A life lived for the Lord. I know that the Word of God tells us that Jesus, He said He came to give us life. And He came to give us life more abundantly. And the life that comes... Uh, through Him, the life that He will live in us or through us. Um, I guess another bold statement would be, without Him, we don't have life. Without Christ, without Christ, we don't have that life. We're not really living. And I, and I believe that there's a huge temptation, uh, even among Christians today, that we live our lives for ourselves. And I, I, I wonder that that may be why so many are even miserable. So many are, feel empty, feel that they're not fulfilled, is because they're trying to fill it to satisfy self. And can I make another bold statement is you cannot satisfy self. You just can't. Uh, no matter what we try to, what we, however we try to pamper ourselves, it's not going to work. It's got to be Christ in us and Christ through us that, that will satisfy and will bring uh, fulfillment. And, and, and it's a life lived for Christ. It's serving Him. In Acts chapter 13, this is just a springboard to where we're, we're going to go here. But in Acts 13 and verse 22, the Bible says, And when he had removed him, Saul, when he removed Saul from being king, he raised up unto him David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. David was a man that... uh, God chose because God knew that David would choose him. He knew that David would follow after God's heart. He knew that David would fulfill God's will. Now skip ahead to verse 36. Verse 36, the Bible says, For David, so this is, God chose David. Then here at the end of David's life, verse 36 for David, after that he, ser- he had served his generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. Here we see David served God. He fulfilled God's will by serving his generation. Do you know that uh, you and I as Christians, you and I as Brothers and sisters in Christ, we've been called to serve at this time. 
that this day and this age and this culture and this society, this is the one that we've been called uh, to serve in. And uh, David not only served God, but he served his generation. And not only did David serve his generation, but as we study today uh, uh, David's life a little bit, we're going to find that by serving God, he served future generations. And he had a desire to do that, to serve God. Now, when we're serving the Lord and the, and the and give our life to the Lord to serve Him and that daily, the day, day in and day out. You don't know how it's going to end. You, you can't see the, the end. You have to believe by faith that, you're, uh, that this, is, uh, this is worthwhile. You have to believe by faith that the things that you're doing are eternal. Um, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17, uh, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And just as David did God's will and that abided forever, I believe that it is, it, it, the same is true for us. That as we serve the Lord and, and do His will in our lives, that there is, um, it, it lasts. It's something that is eternal. What we do for the Lord, or maybe better said, what He does through us, will abide forever. Uh, from this generation and the next generation. And uh, as we look at David's life, it's good sometimes to look at um, uh, these folks in the Bible and see how it ends. Sometimes it's good to see the end of a thing as you look forward or see the fruit of it. In other words, and uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the last words of David, the last actions of David this morning and see um, how he was still concerned even at the end of his life. So go to First Chronicles and we're going to do kind of a, a little overview here in Chronicles from uh, chapter 22, First Chronicles 22, all the way to First Chronicles 29. And I'll do it quickly. So. Uh, but we're going to start first off in 1 Chronicles 28. We're going to stay right in that area though. Between 22 and 29 of 1 Chronicles. But in 1 Chronicles uh, 28. Verse 11. <clears throat> The Bible says, And David said to Solomon his son, The pattern uh, of the porch and of the house thereof and the treasuries thereof and the upper chambers thereof and the inner parlors thereof and of the place of the mercy seat and the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and all the chambers round about and the treasuries of the house of God and of the treasuries of the dedicated Things Here at the end of David's life, uh, you know that David had a desire uh, to build a temple for the Lord. He wanted to build a temple, but God said, no, it's not for you to do, David. And so uh, he says, your son's going to build this temple. But you know what God did for David? He gave him the plan. David had a desire to do something for the Lord. And so you know what God did? He gave him a plan. 
You say, I want to do so. I, I believe if we have a desire to do something for the Lord, I, I believe if we have, you know, desire is a strong thing. You know, there's something, I'm not, uh, this isn't to, to be hard on anybody this morning, but I believe that there's some Christians that don't even have a desire to do something for the Lord. But I think if we have a desire to serve God, you know what he'll do? He'll give us a plan. He'll give us a plan. He'll say, hey, here's something that you can do. Here's a plan, something that you can go after. You know, uh, uh, these, David, his life was spent in war many a times, defeating the enemies of God. And, but when he got to a place of peace in his life, when, when, when uh, you know, a lot of the turmoil around him had uh, ceased, he said, he got to thinking, I'd like to, I'd like to build God a temple. I'd like to build this temple. I'd like to build God a house. And not just, not just for Israel, not just for my people, uh, the people of my kingdom, but so that the, the nations can know. He said, I want to build a temple so that other people know that there's a, there's a God in Israel. And, you know, I, I've already said that the Lord said, no, David, you can't do it. No, you can't do it, but your son can. But I'll give you a plan. I'll give you a plan of action of how that your son can build this temple. Let me ask each of us this simple question this morning. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? You say, what do you mean, do I have a plan? Do you have like a plan of action of how I want to serve God with my life? I want to do something for the Lord. Lord, what have you given me? What have you done? You've given me something, so how can I use it for your honor and your glory? I think that, you know what we should have? If you don't have a plan, then you probably don't have a desire. I'm not, this isn't trying to be hard this morning, but I'm just trying to say that we as Christians should have a, a, a plan of, hey, 2019, I want to grow to do something for the Lord. I want to make a difference in my community, in my family, in my home, in my whatever God's put around me. I want to have a plan. Uh, 2020, I mean, I'm planning ahead. I got a five-year plan of how I can grow to help and serve the Lord. I have a desire, therefore. And again, this is a God-given plan. This is something that God gave David. But you know what it, why he gave it to him? It's because he had a plan. He wanted to do something. He wanted to serve the Lord. He wanted to build this temple. I think it's healthy for us as Christians to say, Lord, give me a plan. Lord, use me. Lord, take what I have in my life and, and use me. Put it to work. I want to serve you. I want to grow spiritually. That's a good desire. To say, Lord, I want to grow spiritually. I want to, I want to, I want to know you. I want to, a plan to draw closer to the Lord. To say, I want to grow closer to you. Not just, we've, we talk about this a lot. We don't want to just grow in knowledge. But we want to grow in a knowledge of Him. In fellowship with Him. To draw closer to him. Sometimes I think that we are in survival mode. And that's okay. What I mean by survival mode is, what, is like we're just trying to get through today. You know what I mean? It's like I've got troubles in my life. I've got terrible things going on in my life. I'm in survival mode. So therefore my prayer is God get me through today. You know? Lord give me this day my daily bread. 
And again, I think that's fine. If you're in survival mode, if you've got wars going on around you, like David did much of his life, then your prayer is, Lord, help me survive. Uh, that's a, you know, that you're probably not plotting out your five-year plan at this point. You're just trying to get through today. That's okay. Uh, if that's where you're at, God will help you where you're at. But if you're here this morning and God has helped you uh, through some wars and through some battles and he's given you some victories and you have uh, uh, some peace in your life, you have some rest in your life, your, your prayer may be from the survival mode to go over to say, hey, Lord, uh, give me a plan to serve you. Give me, a, give me a, a, a purpose in my life that I can put what you've given me to work for your cause. Get a plan. Get a plan. Say that with me. Get a plan. Get a plan. You know, if you don't have a plan, it's, you're just going to be floating along through life, right? Just kind of whatever way it goes. Whatever way it goes. Say, no, Lord, give me a plan. Lord, give me a plan. I want to serve you. I want to plot it out. I want to be intentional. Intentional Christian to grow and walk with the Lord and the fellowship with him. So he gives David a plan. And so David begins to put this plan to work. It, uh, in 1 Chronicles, go back to chapter 22. 1 Chronicles chapter 22. 1 Chronicles 22, verse 1. So this is the end of David's life. David knows it's over. He knows his life is, is he's, he's going to be passing. And uh, it's amazing how when he gets to the end of his life and he knows his reign is over, he hands it over to Solomon to be king, how much work he does at the end. I mean, he does a lot of preparation at the end. Uh, David wasn't done till he was done. And you know what? We're not done till we're done. We're not done till we're done. And David, he kept, he kept at it until, until it was over. And here we are in, in, in 1 Chronicles 22 and verse 1. And David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar, the burnt offering of Israel. And David commanded to gather together the strangers that are in the land of Israel. And he set masons to hew wrought stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails, for the doors of the gates, and for the joinings, and the brass in abundance without weight. Also cedar trees in abundance for the Zidonians and they of Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. And David said, Solomon my son is young and tender and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent. I like that word. Of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore make, say it, preparation. David said, I will therefore make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Here David is at the end of his life and God says, uh, Solomon or David, you're not going to be allowed to build the temple. But Solomon, your son is. And David says, okay, I can't build the temple, but I can prepare for it. I can finance it. David says, I can make it so that when Solomon steps up into his kingdom, uh, a lot of things are already in place. A lot of things are already in motion. Can I say this? If we don't have a plan, chances are we're not preparing. If we don't have a plan, if we don't have a, without a vision, the people what? 
perish without a vision. Lord, give me a Lord, give me a vision. Lord, give me a plan. Why? So that I can start preparing. So that I can prepare for the future. So I can prepare. I mean, David is, again, he's passing off the scene here. You know what he's doing? He's preparing for the next generation. The next generation of people to say, hey, uh, I want want to have all this stuff prepared. I want to have all these things. David had, had spent his life and had amassed all this gold and silver and precious stones. You know what he said? I don't want it to just go to wherever. He says, I want to put this to work. I want to say where this is going. I'm going to put this into the temple so that, the, so that uh, God is glorified in Israel. He says, I got a plan and I want to put it to work. You know, David had already bought the land where the temple was going to be. That's one of my, one of my uh, favorite stories of David is how he made a mistake and went and numbered the people. I mean, that was a mistake. God didn't want him to do that. And, and you know the story how the plague begins to break out in, in Israel. And, and, uh, and David uh, wants to stop it. And so what he does is he goes to where uh, this was at and he buys the threshing floor of Ornan. You know the story. He goes and he goes and he says, Hey, I want to buy this and I want to present an offering here to stop this plague, to stay this plague. In other words, it's almost like he's purchasing this threshing floor as a fine or as a punishment. But what you find out that, that, that and by the way, Ornan says to King David, he says, no, I'll give it to you. He goes, no, you can have it. King David, you can have this threshing floor. And what did David say? He goes, no, 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 I'm going to pay full price for this. I'm going to pay full price for this piece of land. The place. And that piece of land, you know, people sit, sit around sometimes and talk about good deals that they've gotten, good deals on, on things that they've bought, uh, good deals on real estate and how the value has gone up since they've purchased it. I, th- this, was the best, this was the best land purchase in human history. This place that David bought that day when he thought he was uh, shelling out the money as a punishment to stop a plague turned out to be the place of the temple. This real estate that he purchased that day is the most valuable piece of land in all the world. Right now. And it will be all the way through into the millennium. Wait till Christ sits there uh, on David's throne one day. I mean, that land that David purchased, he says, you know what he's... Sometimes, my, po- my point is, sometimes when we get a plan, our little plan in our mind, and we have a desire to serve the Lord, sometimes we don't even know how that will affect generations to come. It can affect generation upon generation upon generation that we don't even know... How God is going to work in our future. And, and things that we think are even a mistake at times. How God can bless it and use it. He says, look at verse 14. So he, he begins to prepare all this stuff to build the temple. David's getting ready. He's getting ready. Verse 14 of 1 Chronicles chapter 22. He says, David says, And behold, in my trouble... I have prepared for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold and a thousand thousand talents of silver and of brass and iron without weight. For it was in abundance. Timber also and stone have I prepared that thou mayest add there to. David said, hey, I got this started. I got all this gold, all this silver, all this timber that you can add to. This is something that you can build on. But you know what I see in that verse that I like? 
he said, uh, he said, I prepared all this. He said, I want you to know, David said, I prepared all this in my trouble. You know what David said uh, to his son and to the rest of Israel before he passed off? Hey, I'm giving all this gold. I'm giving all this silver. I'm preparing all this stuff. And he says, and by the way, this wealth didn't come easy. I had to work for it. David said, I wasn't always this wealthy. David says, all this stuff that I gathered together, it came by trouble. In other words, hey, uh, the temple, as beautiful as and wonderful as it was, it took some trouble. It took some trouble to build. I thank God for some folks that when, when they run into trouble, they just keep going. Sometimes you get a plan and, and, and the first sign of trouble, the first obstacle, you know what we do? We start to second guess the plan. You know, oh no, oh no, there's trouble. Oh no, there's problems. I, no, no, there's going to be trouble. If you're going to, let me just say this. If you're going to serve the Lord, if you're going to serve, uh, if you're going to do something eternal, it's not going to always be easy. There's going to be some obstacles. There's going to be some trouble. But thank God for people throughout history that just when trouble came, they just kept going. You know what David said? Hey, my life has not always been easy. David said, hey, I want you to know I've had some troubles. The things that I've gone through had troubles, but hey, I kept going. If, if they would have stopped, the temple would have never been built. We're coming up on the 4th of July. You know what I think of uh, when, I, when I think of, you know, I know that God's blessed this country. Our, we're blessed because of God. But you know what? He's used a lot of people. Uh, in, the, in the founding of this country, if the first sign of trouble, they would have quit, we wouldn't be here today. I'm telling you, there has been some people that have gone through some troubles to get us to where we are today. We need to think back that, hey, our country is built on a foundation of people that have had some severe hardships. The reason why we have it so easy today. The reason why we have it so easy today. And by the way, we have it easy. You talk to people and you think people have it hard. We don't have it hard. What we've got is easy. There's been some people that have had it hard. There's been some people in the founding of this country that had some troubles. Uh, the, The founding of the church, it wasn't always easy. You go back to the beginning, ask Paul the Apostle, was it easy? No, he says there's a lot of trouble. Every church we started, there was trouble. I mean, it was just trouble. Ask John. There was trouble. The early church had a lot of persecution. There was trouble. You know what? We, what if you got a plan to serve the Lord, you know what you're going to have to overcome? Trouble. You say, well, this isn't all that uplifting. Hey, it's, I'm just trying to tell you. Sometimes trouble isn't a sign that you're doing anything wrong. I'm sorry. That's right. Just because they're trouble, that doesn't mean you're on the wrong path. Uh, Christ, Christ said, I have the verse here somewhere. That he says, um, in the world you shall have tribulation. In the world. Are we in the world? We're in the world. So what did he say? There's going to be trouble. But, But, he says, that's not the end of the verse. That's not the end of the verse. Christ says, but, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Christ says, hey, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be some tribulation. And David just wanted Solomon to know, hey, uh, what I've prepared for you, what I've done, what I've gone before, I did it out of a lot of trouble. 
I did it out of a lot of trouble. And then he says in verse 16, I like this. Verse 16, 1 Chronicles 22 and verse 16. He says, of the gold and silver and brass and iron, uh, there is no number. Arise, therefore, and be doing. And the Lord be with you. You know how, you know how I interpret that? Uh, I did all this. I prepared all this, Solomon. Now get to work. I got all this ready. I got all this prepared for you. Now, be doing. <laughs> Go use it. Go get, get it done. I'll just tell you, it, where we are at as Christians, as believers today, there has been a great foundation laid. We have a lot of things that have been passed down from generation to generation as, as Christians. Uh, I think those that have gone before us, that great cloud of witness, you know what they would say to us? Hey, we, we did all these things and passed it down to you. Now you go do it. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn to take the gospel to the world and your neighbor and the community. Now it's your turn to serve God and love God and fellowship with God and, and experience His presence. Uh, get to work. That's what he's saying. Now go do it. Take something. Take what we've given you and, and keep going with it. Keep going. Keep going. Then David gets the leaders on board. He says in verse 17. Verse 17 of, of chapter 22. And David commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And hath he not given you rest on every side? For he hath given the inhabitants of the land unto mine hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now, he says, verse 19, set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise, therefore, and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord God, to bring the ark of the covenant and the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is built in the name of of the Lord. Uh, David says, uh, okay, now I've prepared all this and I've charged Solomon. Now he says, I want to get the leaders behind Solomon. I want to get the leaders on board to build this temple. I want to get everybody on board to, so that everybody has a part. Everybody's working together to do what God had called them to do. You say, who are the leaders? Who, who is a leader? Who's a leader? Who are the leaders that he's talking about here? You know what I think a good definition of a leader is? Right in verse 19. He says, He that set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. You know what a leader is? Someone that's heart and soul is in it. I mean, how sad is it when you've when you got a leader that their heart's not in it? How sad is it when you got, when you got a leader or you got a people... How sad is it when you have Christians who their heart and soul isn't in it? You know what he's saying? I want you to be, I want your heart and soul in this. I want you to, I want you to want it. I want you to desire it. I want you to go after it and care about it. You know, your blood, sweat, and tears. That's what he's saying. Hey, get after it. Come on, get your heart in these things. You know, when we have no soul, when we have no heart, you know what we are? We're easily discouraged. When we're not invested, we're easily discouraged. We're easily distracted by the things of this world. You know, the things come out, you know, and we, again, back to the thing, we begin to want to serve self instead of saying, hey, no, my heart and soul is in this to serve the Lord and to go after Him. 
David did all these things. Again, I want to point out, David's going to all this trouble. And it's the end of his life. This isn't him getting started. He's going to all this trouble. And he's doing this not even for himself at all. He's doing this for the next generation. The next generation. Verse chapter 23. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 23. Verse 1. He says, And so when David was old and full of days and made Solomon his son king over Israel, he gathered together all the princes of Israel and the priests and the Levites. Now the Levites were numbered from the age of 30 years and upward. And their number by their poles, man by man, was 38,000. There was 38,000 of them he called. Of which 20 and 4,000 were set forward for the work of the house of the Lord. And 6,000 were officers and judges. Moreover, 4,000 were porters. And 4,000 praised the Lord with the instruments which I made, said David, to praise therewith. David, before he passed on, you know what he said? I want the temple to be set up. I almost tripped on that. I want the temple to be set, set up. And I want to have these people prepared. He says, I want, I want the priests and the Levites ready. What? I want a group of them to serve God in the house. In the house of the Lord. I want them to be able to serve the Lord there. He says, and, 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 and he goes through all that in chapter 24, if you were to read it. Now he sets up these uh, priests to serve. And then in chapter 25, you know what he does? He sets up the musicians and the singers. You know what he says? When I'm gone, I want, I want there to be a lot of music to praise God. I want to make sure that there's some folks set aside to play the instruments and to sing the songs. And he goes into that in chapter 25. And then chapter 26, he says, I want there to be officers and I want there to be porters, those that would keep the gates and those that would keep the doors and those that would manage and keep the treasury. I want all those things. Why? Because those are the things that will keep God uh, praised and glorified. I want all those things set up before I'm gone. Look at verse 30 of 23. First Chronicles 23 and verse 30. He says, And stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise at even. Uh, you know, you know what, uh, what we need, I believe, in, in the church today? is people that will thank God. And just praise God. Just continually. Uh, just a joyful, thankful. Uh, you say... What's the purpose to come to church? Well, we hear the Word of God preached. We fellowship together. But one of the big purposes of coming to church on a Sunday morning is just to come in and say, thank you, Lord. I mean, thank you, Lord. I'm here just to praise you. I'm here to say thank you for what you did for me this last week. I'm here just to thank you and praise you of what you've done. Just that simple. I'm just saying, hey, you say, what's my purpose? Hey, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I can do that. I can come in and be thankful for what God's done for me. David said, hey, don't forget, there's some people that need to come and be thankful. You know what's interesting? And I'm already running out of time here. But if you go into 2 Chronicles in the first couple chapters and see after the temple is finished and the temple worship begins, to see all that David had prepared 
and how, how well it worked because he went and prepared. Go, just go there. 2 Chronicles, look at, look at one, one passage. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. So this is after the temple is opened and finished. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. He gets all those Levites and all the people together, the singers and the, uh, the, the musicians, and, and they begin to uh, play and praise God. And look at uh, 2 Chronicles 5 and verse 13. The Bible says, And it came, to, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in the praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, what were they saying? For he is good. <laughs> For he is good. And his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. You say, what happened? They began to sing, and they began to praise God, and they began to play their instruments and do these things. You say, why did they do it? Because God's good. You say, why do, why do we come in? What's, is that a strange tradition that we do? Why do we come in and sing songs? Why do we sing these songs to the Lord? Because God's good. Amen. There's one reason why we sing these songs to the Lord. is because He's good. It, the reason why we sing songs to the Lord is because His mercy endureth forever. We believe that. We believe that God is good and that His mercy endures. So we lift up our voice and sing to Him and, and play these instruments for the Lord because He is good. David said, hey, I want to I prepare for this. Why? So that the next generation can experience the presence of God. What if they'd have lost it? David wrote all these psalms. And all these praises to the Lord. What if the next generation hadn't kept it going? Just been lost. No more praising God. No more thanking God. That would have been a terrible thing, wouldn't it? He said, no, I don't want that to go on. Back in 1 Chronicles, as you, as you go through each of these chapters, it's all his preparation. It's all his putting the plan to work. And in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 27 for sake of time, we won't read any of that, but uh, he gets the military ready. Even though they're in relative uh, times of peace, he gets the military ready. And he says, hey, I want, I want um, 24,000 soldiers for each month. 24,000 times 12. And, and, and I, you're going to be on guard and you're going to be at work one month out of the year, 24,000. And I'm going to put one mighty man, you know David's mighty men. He says, I'm going to put one mighty man over 24,000 for each month. Um, by the way, you know, in, in our Christian walk, in our Christian life, there's going to be some battles. There's going to be some warfare. That's why he tells us, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because there are some fiery darts of the wicked that are going to come in. And thank God for some mighty men and women. That'll stand up and stand in the gap in prayer and stand up with the word of God and be skillful with the sword of the spirit to be able to help. Uh, there's going to be, you say, what, what, um, what made those mighty men mighty? 
Like, how, how did they know that they were mighty men? You wouldn't have known that David's mighty men were mighty had they not fought. I mean, they were battle-proven. It was, you know, there's no mighty men or women without proving it. You got to go through some things. You got to go through some battles. And I, I'm just going to say that in the Christian life, as I've already said, there's going to be some troubles. There's going to be some trials. There's going to be some battles. There's going to be some things that we go through. And uh, we need some folks to prepare ahead to say, hey, uh, let's stand in the gap and help and be an encouragement to those that are in trouble and those that are going through some things. Uh, by chapter 28, and I'm hurrying, chapter 28, David begins to assemble his, uh, his cabinet, if you will, his advisors and, and all these things. And then by 21, he talks to uh, Solomon. He says, uh, or excuse me, chapter 29, verse 1. He says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the place is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold, and silver for things of silver, and brass for things of brass, and iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, and onyx stone, and stones to, to be set, blistering stones, and, diver, and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones, and of marble stones, and abundance. You know what it sounds like? He, David's saying, hey, I prepared for the temple. I prepared gold, silver, and precious stones. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what we as the church are supposed to be building? Uh, building quality. He said, hey, at the judgment seat of Christ, our work's going to be made manifest, right? Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. David, David said, hey, I'm putting some quality in here. Why? Why? Because this isn't for man. This is for the Lord. You know, when we have a plan to serve God, you know what you're going to have to make up in your mind? Is I don't do it for man. I don't do it for, for other people to hear. I don't do it for other people to see. I don't do it for them. I do it for the Lord. If you don't do it for the Lord, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get down. You're going to quit. You're going to not want to do it anymore. But if you do it for the Lord, you've got to do it for the right reasons. And, and the whole thing is the right reason. I believe the gold, silver, and precious stones at the judgment seat of Christ is what sort it is. It's our motive for why we serve the Lord, for why we do what we do out of faith and out of a love for Him. He goes on and he, he uh, begins to get everybody involved in the temple and he wants everybody to have a part in it and everybody to give. In Second, uh, 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 6, David says, Then the chief of the fathers and the princes of the tribe of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams of silver and 10,000 um, uh, talents of iron. They begin to give. Look at verse 9. Then the people rejoiced. For that they offered willingly, because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. You know what David did right before he uh, passed away? He took up an offering to build up the temple. 
And you've seen offerings, you've been in offerings in places where people are trying to raise money, and it's been a bunch of hype. You know, it's kind of uncomfortable, where it's like, how much have we raised, and all this sort of stuff, right? That's not what David did here. I, I, as you read down through there, you know what he did? He stood up in front of the people after 40 years of serving them. And he says, here's what God's given me a plan to do. To build this temple. Now let's do it. And you know what they did? They did it willingly. Rejoicing. You know what I can imagine? You know what I imagine there? I imagine some of the mighty men sitting around after 40 years of being with David. You know where they, you know where they found David? Where David and them met? They met in the cave, cave of Dulam. The Bible says that they were in distress and they were discontented and they were in debt. And I can imagine after 40 years serving God in that kingdom and all the things that they've been through, I guarantee all the mighty men were a little bit wealthier than what they were 40 years ago. And I guarantee they started thinking, you know what? God's been good to me too, David. I remember where God brought me from. I remember what God did for me. And you know what they begin to do? They begin to do it willingly and rejoicing. Not grudgingly like the New Testament says. Hey, not grudgingly but, uh, or of necessity. But God loveth a what? A cheerful, a cheerful giver. Can you imagine this? This offering that they take up and they were rejoicing. And there was joy because of it. What a blessing. And at the end of it, David says in verse 10. He says in verse 10. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou the Lord God of Israel our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is, is, is the greatness and the power and the glory and victory. And the majesty for all that is in heaven and the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and Thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of Thee. And Thou reignest over all, and in Thy hand is power and might. And in Thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank Thee and praise Thy glorious name. David says, But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners, as were all our fathers, all our days of the earth, are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine own hand, and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, David said, in the uprightness of mine heart have I willingly offered all these things. And now I have seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. You know what I find hope in here at the end? And you can keep reading these last few words of David. You know what I find uh, some hope? Is at the end of David's life, he wasn't bitter. At the end of David's life, you know what it was? It was rejoicing. At the end of David's life, you know what he's saying? I'm a blessed man. If you read those words, you know what he's saying? God, anything I give to you is something that you've already given to me. 
He says, I couldn't give you anything that you haven't already given me. Everything I have, God, is because of you. He says, I was following sheep out in the, out in the pasture before you called me to be the head of Israel. And David, was, he was a blessed man. And at the end of his life, you know what he was thankful for? He was thankful for his family. He was, he was happy with Solomon. He was thankful for the congregation of people that he had. He was thankful to the Lord. Do you know what's a shame? Is to get down to the end of our life and be bitter. That's not how we want to end. We don't want to get down to the end of our life and say, I'm not happy because of all these other people. I'm not happy. I feel, I feel like I've got a raw deal because of how everybody else did me wrong. No, 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 no. Hey, a life served for the Lord. I have hope as I follow some of these folks in the Bible that a life given to serve the Lord, when we get down to the end, you know what we'll be? We'll be blessed. We'll see the blessing of God. We don't have to be bitter and angry and feel that we've been done wrong at the end. A life lived for the Lord is the only life worth living. Amen. Think of Paul the Apostle who gave his life to serve the Lord. And, 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 you, see it, uh, and you see when he writes some of the last books, when he knows, Paul knows that his life is over. He writes the book of Philippians, doesn't he? You know what that book is? It's a book of rejoicing. He knows that certain death is coming to him. He knows that he's going to lose his head uh, because of preaching the gospel. Nero's going to take it off. But he writes a book of rejoicing. I read in 2 Timothy, this is another letter that he writes at the end of his life, Paul the Apostle. And he writes these words in 2 Timothy, For I am now ready to be offered. My time of departure is at hand. I always read that, my time of departure is at hand. It's like Paul's ready to catch his flight. Like the departure is at hand. He doesn't sound like he's a martyr. He doesn't sound like this is a terrible thing. Paul says, hey, I've served the Lord. Now my time of departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Not to me only. But to all of them that love his appearing. Do you know Paul the Apostle, just like David, tried to get the whole congregation, to get the whole assembly to serve the Lord with all their heart. Paul the Apostle did the same thing. That's what you read in Romans chapter 1 and 2 where he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know what Paul's saying? Serve the Lord. Give your life to the Lord. That's what great leaders will do. They'll say, hey, serve the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. And I want you to serve the Lord with me. That's what Joshua said, didn't he? At the end of Joshua's life, just like David, just like Paul, they all said the same thing. They said, Joshua said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. Like Joshua says, if you think it's a terrible, hard thing to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve. He says, you want to serve the gods uh, of the Amorites and whose land you dwell? He says, you go ahead. But Joshua says, but as for me and my house, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. At this point in the message, this is a point of decision. This is a point of saying, hey, a, a life worth living is a life lived for the Lord. I have a life. God's given me a life. I have breath in my lungs. Therefore, I'm a candidate to serve God. 
God, I want to serve you. I have a desire. Lord, give me a plan. Lord, give me the strength. Lord, help me to prepare. Help me to think ahead on how I can serve you. Help me to start thinking how I can reach those in my neighborhood or my circle of influence or my family members or those at my work or however it is. Lord, use me. And when I come into some trouble, I know it just goes with the territory. I'll keep trucking, keep going, keep going. Why? Because a life worth living is a life lived to serve the Lord. We want to serve the Lord. Would we, as God's people, would we, as Christians, take what God's given us and give it back to Him? Our talents, our ability, our time. Whatever it is, just like David said, hey, what you've given me, I give back. God, you know what the greatest thing that we can give the Lord? Our life. Would we do that? Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website or... You could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.